Golden Dumb Count the Koopa K. More faces. More faces are uh, appearing. Yeah. All right, Jesse, please tell me that it's not going to be another year. No. It's been a year, you know? Mm -hmm, I know. <laughs> I mean, I'm not pushing. <laughs> I'm telling him just to stop his internet usage. <laughs> I mean, I'm old. I'm not going to live that long. You know? <laughs> when you're dealing with an old guy, I don't have as much time. You know? <laughs> I'm just kidding. We'll take whatever, whatever you offer, and love it. Hope that finished um, by birth for me. Ooh, that would be perfect. When I get back from India, it'll be done. All right. So, hello to one and all. It is good to be back. Uh, this last tour I went on, of course it often seems like this, but it seemed like the best, maybe the best ever. Uh, so, I'd like to do this uh, the way we had started doing it before, with questions. Are we prepared to hand out um, papers so that they can uh, write down questions? Do you have that, Kovinda Mata? Um, if not, it's okay. Of pens and... Well, they can write on their hands. I can get some paper. We can get some paper. I can get some paper. You think that's a good idea? Absolutely. Yeah. I like that idea. I like that format too. Sure. Oh. Southeast pen. Okay, sorry for the delay. We're going to talk about who and where is your enemy. Dun, dun, dun. Does anybody here have an enemies? Anybody? Does anybody not have an enemy? All of us actually have an enemy. Those who think, no, I don't have any enemy. Well, yes, you do. You're going to find out. Krishna's going to tell you who your enemy is. Uh, and also where that enemy is. So that you can avoid the enemy. And it's very easy. It's impossible to deal with this particular enemy unless you use Krishna consciousness. And if you use Krishna consciousness... It's impossible for this enemy to conquer you. You see? If you use Krishna consciousness, you can conquer this particular enemy. And, uh, and if you don't, the enemy, this particular enemy, will definitely conquer you. All right, Krishna, weren't you at Sunday Feast? Monday. Yeah, okay. I thought I'd be. Okay, starting out, 
According to Webster, Webster's such a smarty pants. He thinks he knows all these words. You know? Put them into a book. Uh, the definition of enemy. One, one that is antagonistic to another, especially one seeking to injure, overthrow, or confound an opponent. Sounds good, huh? Two, something harmful or deadly, such as alcohol was his greatest enemy. Something that's harmful to you is an enemy. Not just someone, something. Uh, a military adversary, a hostile unit or force. So that's the definition of enemy, as if we didn't all know, but it's sometimes good to put that into perspective. What is what is an enemy? <clears throat> so <clears throat> uh, we find that uh, our definition of an, what is an enemy, that word, as many other words, uh, redefine as you become spiritually advanced. You see? Things that you use, words that you use, you start to find out the true meaning as you actually apply them in uh, Krishna consciousness. When spiritual knowledge comes, all of a sudden everything is illuminated, like uh, turning on a light in a room. When the light comes on in a room, if you're in, there in darkness or in almost darkness, there are things in the room that you don't know are there. You know, they may turn on a, a light and then you, you see, oh, there's that thing that I'm looking for, or there's something that will harm me. So spiritual illumination, uh, the torchlight of knowledge, what kind of knowledge? College knowledge? No. Spiritual knowledge, transcendental knowledge. The torchlight of knowledge, transcendental knowledge, will illuminate the perils that have been holding you back into this material world and destroying your consciousness. See? So, anybody want to guess? Well, no, let's not do that. Because one of you guys would probably guess where I'm going with this. Some of you probably already have an idea. An enemy sometimes will force us to do things. Well, an enemy oftentimes forces you to do things that you don't want to do. Like if an enemy attacks, you might have to use violence. If an enemy attacks your family, you might have to use some violence to uh, protect your family or yourself. You're not a violent person. You don't want to be violent. Why, the thought of violence makes you ill. And yet, this enemy has forced you to be violent. Either that, or you sit still and... Uh, avoid your responsibility of protecting those that you uh, love. You see? It's a tough choice. So, sometimes an enemy will force us to act. We're acting. We didn't want to. But yet here we are. So, Arjuna asked this question of uh, Lord Krishna. In the 36th verse of the third chapter of Srimad Bhag of, uh, of Bhagavad Gita, 
by the way, is there anyone here who does not have Bhagavad Gita? Show of hands. Okay, I was going to give you a freebie. Okay, want to try that again? Anybody not have one? <laughs> Freeze the magic word. Okay. She just gave hers away. So, all right. White book distribution is off to a slow start this year. I, I don't think I've distributed any books yet this year. That's not good. <laughs> Arjuna asked Krishna, Arjuna said, O descendant of Brishni, Krishna, by what is one impelled to sinful acts, even unwillingly, as if engaged by force? Because Arjuna was intelligent enough to know that this sometimes happens. Prabhupada explains in the purport, a living entity as part and parcel of the Supreme is originally spiritual, pure, and free from all material contaminations. So that's you, this living entity that we're talking about. You are pure and free from contamination. You cannot be harmed or contaminated. However, <laughs> your consciousness can become contaminated, but not you, you, the living entity. It's like uh, when your consciousness becomes contaminated, it's like getting a stain on your blouse or shirt. You see that you didn't get the stain, but your outer covering gets the stain, you see. So you, the living entity, uh, cannot become uh, contaminated. But your consciousness can. So Prabhupada goes on. Therefore, by nature, the, the living entity is not subject to the sins of the material world. But when he is in contact with the material nature, he acts in many sinful ways without hesitation and sometimes even against his will. As such, Arjuna's question to Krishna is very sanguine as to the perverted nature of the living entities. Perverted. Why is it perverted? Because your consciousness has become perverted into so many things. How is that possible? Some people may say, me? Perverted? Never. You know, but we see uh, bad habits that we have or have had you know, I spent the early part, well, the first 24 years of my life, I, I ate meat. You know, of course, it's been a long time since, it's 46 years since then, but first 24 years, I ate meat. That was pretty perverted. I give you, a, uh, I, I'd say most, if not all, everybody in the room has given that up, right? Has anybody, has everybody? Or any, most people. Okay. So, at one point, it was okay. As a matter of fact, it was good. Well, we liked it, you know, or we thought we did. But then a short time after you give it up, you look back and you think, I could never do that again. 
you know, you think, uh, I did, I did that. Uh, what happened? Your consciousness was cleansed. Like cleansing a mirror. You cleanse the dust off of a mirror. Your consciousness becomes elevated. So the consciousness you had before when you would woof it down and say, yum, yum, this is good. Grandma, can I have some more? Has changed to, thank you, no. Yuck. <laughs> you know, don't ever offer me that again. How many times do I have to tell you? You see, don't even consider it as foodstuff. Your consciousness changed, didn't it? That was a giant step forward. So, uh, therefore, by nature, uh, you are not subject to the sins of the material world. But when you are in contact with the material nature, you act in many sinful ways without hesitation, and sometimes even against your will. As such, Arjuna's question of Krishna is very sanguine as to the per perverted nature of the living entities. Although the living entity sometimes does not want to act in sin, when you're eating meat, you didn't want to act in sin, why you didn't even want to sponsor the slaughter of animals. That wasn't your intention. It wasn't like your grandma said, eat your meat. Why? Why, it spreads the slaughter of innocent animals. Oh, okay, grandma, that makes sense. <laughs> you see, that wasn't your intention. It was just there. It was given to you. From the time you opened your eyes, well, no, actually, you had to go some time before you could take some solid food. But when you started uh, be to become able to accept uh, solid food, that's what was given to you. Here, take your meat, you know. Um, however, impelled by the, uh, uh, by the super soul within, uh, that, that's another case. But, uh, oh, wait a minute, I skipped the sins. Although living entity does not want to act in sin, he is still forced to act. Sinful actions are not, however, impelled by the super soul within but are due to another cause, as the Lord explains in the next verse. We cannot blame God. We can't say, well, I wouldn't have done that, but God forced me to, or he made me. But he, how did he make you when he put me in that circumstance? He had me born into meat eaters. Is that his fault? No. <laughs> I don't see anybody writing yet, so they're not. <laughs> I don't think the question thing's going to work. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right. So here's the answer. Who is this doggone enemy we're talking about? Krishna says, the Supreme Personality of Godhead said, it is lust only. What is that that forces me to act as if I'm forced to, but I didn't really plan it that way. It's lust only. It is lust only, Arjuna, which is born of contact with the material mode of passion 
and later transformed into Crode. What is Crode? Wrath. Calm, this lust. Actually, I like this, this verse in Sanskrit. Sri Bhagavan Uvacha, Kama Esha, Crode Esha. Kama, lust and uh, anger go together. Why? Because when you don't get what you want, you get angry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Lust is a driving point. Oh. So I don't get it. I get really upset. Uh, in, and even when you get it, the senses are never satisfied. They're That's just a, even if I get it. Yeah. That just delays my anger. I get angrier quicker when I don't get it. It's a good point. But when I get it, well, then I'm not so satisfied with it. So then I start to get angry. I feel like I've been cheated. Well, I thought this was going to do this and this and this, but it only does that and that and that. Yeah, what's your return policy? Don't have one. Well, when the living entity comes in contact with the material uh, energy, especially uh, the mode of passion, things start to change. Um, it is lust only, Arjuna, which is born of contact with the material mode of passion and later transformed to wrath, and which is the all-devouring sinful enemy of this world. It's what makes the world go round, this material world, lust. If it wasn't for lust, no one would ever do anything. I mean, little things, but no one would strive to develop a new product. I have lust, and I want some money. So I think I've got this thing that I've developed here, and I'm going to go out and put it on the Internet, and I'm get your money and your money. Maybe someday <sighs> I'll go public. I'll get a lot of money. I'll get a lot of people's money, you see. It works like that. I remember folks that started out back in the hippie days, and they came up with a, some good ideas, you know, on things that, that are, are healthy for you. And they were just simple people. And they found out they could make a couple of bucks and maybe pay the rent, pay for their weed and their LSD by doing this service, which is good for you. And as business got better and better, they became very corporate. Then they had to look at cost factors because now they had employees. So I've got a lower cost, which means I've got a lower quality. So in other words, what started out with me sharing something that I discovered that kind of helped me with my skin or who's that? Uh, Burt's Bees. That's the story of Burt's Bees, isn't it? That's what happened to him. Does anybody, you know, Burt's Bees products started by Burt, just this old hippie guy. And now it's, I think, I don't know if it's in Walmart, but it's in Kroger, you know. So Burt's gone. Burt was bought out. It's not the same thing anymore, you see. So lust 
took something good, cheapened it as far as you can so it will still pretty much work and maximize profit. It's lust that does this. I want more, you see, and I deserve more and I'm going to get it. And nobody, not you or anybody, is going to get in my way. So, Prophet says in a purport, when a living entity comes in contact with the material creation, his eternal love for Krishna is transformed into lust in association with the mode of passion. Or in other words, the sense of love of God becomes transform, transformed into lust as milk in contact with sour tamarind is transformed into yogurt. You take warm milk and you put tamarind. If you take hot milk and you put some lemon juice in it, it changes into paneer, curd. It curdles. So milk exposed to tamarind will turn into yogurt. So um, then again, when lust is unsatisfied, it turns into wrath. Wrath is transformed into anybody? Huh? Who said that? Yeah. Illusion. Illusion. Or delusion. I get so mad that I'm, I become illusioned. First, I want, I want, I want, but I can't get it. Now I'm mad. I got to blame somebody. I think it's you. <laughs> and you're conspiring with her. Why well, you're all against me? You, you know. I think we've all witnessed this. Maybe on smaller. Sometimes it's so subtle we don't even see it until maybe later. But this is extremely common in our day-to-day -day, uh, felt actions of our fellow man. Um. Therefore, lust is the greatest enemy of the living entity. And it is this lust only which induces the pure living entity to remain entangled in the material world. Wrath is the manifestation of the mode of ignorance. These modes ex exhibit themselves as wrath and other corollaries. If, therefore, the mode of passion, instead of being degraded into the mode of ignorance is elevated to the mode of goodness by the prescribed method of living and acting, then one can be saved from the degradation of wrath by spiritual attachment. What's being said here? It's my lust. My First of all, my I as a pure uh, entity, I'm pure because my lust... My desires are to, pre, are to please Krishna. That means I am a pure living entity. That is my original position. My consciousness is purified. You see? Why? Because I want to see Krishna smile. I want to see Krishna happy. I don't think, well, he's God. He ought to be happy. Look, he's God. What's keeping him from being happy? It ain't me. Because of our love, we want to please Krishna. When you love somebody, you want to please them. If you don't want to please them, 
you don't love them. So loving means I want to please you, you see. So uh, when the pure living entity comes to this material world, he turns that desire to please from aiming it towards Krishna to himself. I want to please me. And as soon as I come into the mode of passion, I'm lusty. So lust is bad, right? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Mm -hmm. Lust is there. You, as a living entity, are lusty by your nature. But not lusty to please yourself. In your original position, you are lusty to please Krishna. And all the other living entities... So this material world is like a mirror reflection. It's backwards. When I come here, I come here because I want to enjoy separately from Krishna. So when I come here, I'm no longer focused on pleasing Krishna. I'm focused on pleasing me. So you came here and you are focused on pleasing you. And so are you and all the other living entities. Therefore, we live in a world of conflict. You see? I'm looking to please me. I'll please you, but there's a price tag attached. You see? If you're not pleasing me, well, how much use I have for you? That's, you know, that makes us a very casual acquaintance. I'm not looking to please you. You're not looking to please me. You're just a, a neighbor that I wave at. You see? Uh, as love is introduced, then I, the desire to please comes with it. Love can't come without the desire to please. I want to see you uh, feeling pleasure. I want to see you happy. You see, that's loving. I want the best for you. In the material world, who's number one? We are. It's like, you know, I use this again and again, and it always works. Uh, if we take a picture of this beautiful group, take this beautiful group picture and we pass it around, who's the first person we look for? <laughs> you know, reflex, it's, it's just an automatic knee-jerk re reflex, they say, knee-jerk reaction. I get the picture. Can't wait to see me. Was I blinking? <laughs> Boy, the camera adds more than 10 pounds, doesn't it? Jeez. Something wrong with this stupid camera. <laughs> Are you idiot? You can't even take a picture properly. <laughs> Why don't you take it again? Take another one before you put it on Facebook, okay? Oops, I just deleted this one. <laughs> Take another one. <laughs> because it's really all about me, you know. So that's the nature uh, of the living entity. It's lust that gets us into this, and it's lust that holds us into this. You see? It keeps us here.
but you are lusty by nature. So if it's lust that gets you here, what's going to get you out? It's a trick question. What do you think, Sean? Understanding that, that I'm listening after who it all belongs to. Right. Right. Partially right. But that is right. Think about it. Lust got you here. What can get you out? Lust. Love. Yeah. And you were right. He said it before you did. So he gets the gold star. <laughs> Lust for Krishna. Lust for me got me in my situation of thinking I am this body competing with you, trying to be the most something, the best at something, recognized for something. You know, I'm always, you know, as people do that, I like to listen to people when I'm out and about uh, and I listen to what they say and they, it's competition. People like to compete. It's kind of like a, a, the game is I talk for a while and then as soon as it's graceful, you take over and you talk for a while about you. You ever notice that? You know, little Johnny is going to go to Yale. <laughs> Why little Mary is going to whatever, you know, Harvard. You know, see, ping, it's like ping pong. Talk about me, you talk about you, talk about me. Now, all, I'm trying to up it up. Where it's competition, you see. What if it was reversed? What if I only want, I'm only interested in you? And you're only interested in me? Well, there's no, comp the only competition left is, can I glorify you more than you glorify me? That exists. That exists amongst elevated souls. When I'm associating with uh, GBC members, sannyasis, other gurus, that's the, it, that that just without trying that gets there. Someone may say, "I hear that this is happening, and I'm that for, that's so great what you're doing." Oh, it's nothing to what you're doing. Well, look what you're doing. Oh no no no. But I have so much help. You don't have it. Oh, no, no, no. But you made those people. You know, you developed them so they could help you. Yes, but you see what I mean? And it's not artificial. It's from the heart, from the soul. I can see your glories. <clears throat> and I feel like I don't have any. I don't need any. Because I get to associate with you. You see, you're finding everyone uh, more advanced than you. You see, that's a different one. This is spiritual consciousness. Material consciousness is let's compete. You know, I want some position. I want some uh, uh, advantage over you. And I want it to be at least a little obvious so that I can feel it and taste it. That's material consciousness. Uh, that's illusory. It's, it's foolish. When you get into uh, spiritual realization, that behavior is foolish. It's not attractive.
you see. So, yeah, it's lust for Krishna. In other words, you turn it around. The lust is going to be there. You, as a living entity, are lusty. What is it, that Sanskrit word? Uh, Lolyam. Lolyam. Lust. Intense desire to serve Krishna. Please, Krishna, my beloved. And to serve all other living entities. Intense desire. That lust of love to serve Krishna is far more intense than that lust for you to serve yourself could ever be. Lust of love for someone else is much more intense and much more driving than for you to spend your life, birth after birth, trying to serve yourself. That's a fact, you see. So we turn it around. With the lust that pulled us down we turn it around to serving Krishna. That pulls us from the darkness of ignorance back into goodness. Goodness, passion, ignorance. When we came in contact with passion, when we're trying to please ourselves, that sucks us down into the mode of ignorance. You see? But trying to please Krishna through devotional service turns it around. It pulls us back into the mode of goodness. You see? When you're in the mode of uh, goodness, you're prone to be happy. Satisfied. Pleased. Pleasing. Satisfying. When you're happy, you can make other people around you happy. This is a very common in the material world. It's a little uncommon. What is common is people trying to get you into their mood. Mm. Now, how are you doing today? Oh, God, can we talk? Oh, this and this and that and that. And then she said that and he said this and then you see, come on down here with me. You see, if I didn't want you down here with me, I wouldn't have started out with, oh, good, can we talk? I would have said, oh, everything's fine. It's okay. How about you? How are you doing? You see? All right. Are you sure something's not bothering you? Well, it is, but that's, let's not talk about that. What about you? How are you doing? You see? Unless you really need help, you know, God, I need some help. I need some advice. That's not like, well, I need you to get sad with me. <laughs> look, I know you were, look, you had a smile on your face when you walked up, but I want you to get sad. I'm sad. I want you to get sad. <laughs> what kind of friend are you if you won't be sad with me? Can't you see I'm sad? I'm hurting here. I'm hurting because I'm mad. I'm angry. I'm starting to get a little delusional. I need I need some some company here. I'm lonely. I'm in a room full of happy people. I'm not feeling happy. You see what I mean? So therefore, are you sure you're my friend? 
I came to you in a moment of need. I needed you to be happy, uh, sad with me. <laughs> this is material consciousness. Now we do this, we're forced to do this. I'm not saying you're bad because you do that. And we all do that from time to time. Uh, as you become more and more advanced in spiritual uh, consciousness, you'll do that less and less. You may need advice. That doesn't mean I want you to be sad with me. That's the last thing on my agenda. Or another, here's another thing. I'm angry at somebody. <clears throat> and I want you to be angry with them at, at them too. You know? It's like when uh, two people are getting a divorce. And it seems like both of them want you to side with them. <laughs> Well, can I be your friend and her friend too? You would even think of being her friend? <laughs> oh, okay. I hate her. You're my friend. God, what do I say when I'm around her, you know? Have we ever experienced that? You know? this These things happen. Why do I need you to hate this person that I hate? I want you to sympathize. There are different uh, definitions of sympathy or sympathizing. But one of them is I want you to get on my level. I want you to think like me. Empathize means you understand. Well, I understand what you're talking about. I may or may not agree with you, but I understand. I, I fully understand. And I understand how you feel that way. That's empathy. So uh, let's go on to the next verse because a couple more I want to read before before they shut off the lights. <laughs> Krishna says, as fire is covered by smoke, as a mirror is covered by dust, or as the embryo is covered by the womb, the living entity is similarly covered by different degrees of this lust. Lust covers our consciousness. It drives us. It controls us. It makes us do things that <clears throat> when we get back our spiritual consciousness, we look back and we think, why did I do that? Why did I say that? It's like um, people who've been drunk, intoxicated, you know, and the next day people are saying, yeah, yeah, you threw a drink in this guy's face and you punched out the bartender. My God, why did I do that? You see, when you get back to better consciousness, you'll look back and think, what was I thinking? I wasn't thinking. I was being driven by some crazy force. Illusion, delusion, anger, lust, you see. Uh, Krishna goes on. Thus, the wise living entity's pure consciousness becomes covered by his eternal enemy in the form of lust, which is never satisfied and which burns like fire. So where, that's, we've identified who is the enemy. Where is this enemy? Do I wait for the enemy to come to me? 
or should I plan a surprise attack? If I'm going to attack the enemy before the enemy attacks me, I need to know the location of my enemy. Where do I look for this enemy? Krishna has that answer too. Krishna says, the senses, the mind, and the intelligence are the sitting places of this lust. Through them, lust covers the real knowledge of the living entity and bewilders him. The senses, the mind, and the intelligence. That's where the lust sits. Because we start to accept uh, that a particular habit or action is acceptable or desirable. We accept it. Eating meat at one point was acceptable and even desirable for most of us, I would say. Right? So, but at some point, your consciousness is raised to a level to where it's not acceptable nor desirable. So your intelligence changed. Your bank of intelligence changed. That affected your mind. That mind started to control the senses in a different way. You see, in your intelligence, meat or some carnivorous food uh, was changed into a non-food substance, uneatable inedible, however you want to say it, you see, not acceptable for, as food stuff. Bang, that gets stamped into my intelligence. So my intelligence directs my mind in that way. The mind controls the senses, or should control the senses, you see. So, but how, how do we get here? How do we get to this position? How do we uh, change our intelligence. It's just like a computer. It only knows what's on the hard drive. It can't give you a file that's not already there. If you want files out of the computer, you got to put them in the computer. Once you put them in the computer, then it can give them to you. So your intelligence is like your hard drive. So you have to fill your mind with intelligence, which means you have to associate with people who uh, can give you this kind of intelligence through the way they live their lives. You see? In other words, if you want to avoid uh, taking intoxication, then you're going to limit, if not eliminate, uh, your association with people who take intoxication. If you want to cease eating meat, you'll find that you'll start to associate with fewer and fewer meat eaters. Maybe you don't hate them, but when it comes time to sit down and break bread, you see, even still you might, if you have someone and you might need to eat with them, but they, they'll eat theirs and you eat. But you would prefer, because of your new intelligence, to break bread with someone who uh, doesn't eat meat. 
you see. As your intelligence gets even higher than that, you not only prefer vegetarian, non-meat, but you want it to be spiritual in nature. And that's another step in the consciousness. I want to eat spiritual food. What is that? Food that's prepared for and offered to Krishna. The Lord Jesus Christ said, remember me when you eat and drink. Even think of me. So, think of preparing. When you're preparing the food, you're preparing it with love and devotion to please Krishna. You see? Offer it to Krishna. Before you start to taste and eat it, offer it to Krishna. Look, Krishna, I've fixed this nice, nice food stuff for you. Krishna says, that's fine. Thank you so much. And he eats the food along with that love and devotion that you've offered. So now that's prasadam, mercy of God. Now that's spiritual food. So as your consciousness goes even further, you prefer to break bread with those who have offered it to Krishna. You see? Preferred but not limited to those who have offered everything to Krishna. You see? Consciousness takes these big strides. You see? So, and this all happens because we turn that lust around. Now, how do we do it? How do we turn the lust around? Krishna says in the next verse, Therefore, O Arjuna, best of the Bharatas, in the very beginning, curb this great symbol of sin, lust, by regulating the senses, and slay this destroyer of knowledge and self-realization. You regulate the senses. I need to regulate my senses. I can't let my senses regulate me. <coughs> Krishna says, and do this in the very beginning, Prabhupada says in the purport that uh, if you missed it, it's like you missed the starting gun. You didn't know it. You were in a race. Pow! Everybody else starts running. You missed it. Krishna said from the very beginning, regulate. Well, you missed the starting gun. So start now. You might have to run a little harder. In other words, you didn't start at birth. You weren't born into an environment that taught you spiritual, real spiritual, high-level spiritual consciousness. You were born into a, an environment that served turkeys and hams and steaks and, you know, and maybe doesn't know that whole, that much about God. Even if they're pious, they may not know how to love God. But that's okay. You missed the starting gun, but you can go now. Now you can go. Now that you know you should have went, go. <laughs> you know? Run. You know, go catch. You can catch up. You can pass uh, the pack. It ain't too late. It's never too late. You see? So you can do it now. So, um, how do we do this? 
how do we do this? What you're asking me to do is to start a race. I missed the starting gun. You're asking me to reverse the, the uh, contaminated mindset that I have. How do I do that? Well, it starts with the first step. First step is to hear Shravanam. Shravanam. Hearing. So you've heard it. You've heard about this. What's the next step? Kirtanam. Shravanam Kirtanam. Next step, you heard, so now you speak it. And this very sweet prayer. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. My dear Lord, oh, energy of Krishna, I'm praying to you and your feminine energy, Radha. Sometimes people say, how do you know God's not a woman? Well, but he is. He's both. Everything comes from God, so he, he has to have feminine energy. So I'm praying to you, my dear Lord, and your energy. Please engage me in your loving devotional service. You see? And when you do that, you've not only started, but you're shifting into high gear. You see, when you chant Hare Krishna, you're rewarded. What does, how does Krishna reward that prayer? That Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. You do that, what's the reward? Devotional service. Devotional service. You get what you asked for. So, in other words, that completes the circuit. I ask Krishna, please give me an opportunity to engage me in some loving service. So that means I have to accept the service. Krishna says, oh, okay. Here you go. Well, not now, Krishna, I'm busy chanting. So you want to continue begging me to engage you in my loving service. <laughs> I used to use that when I was temple president in Dallas. I think Dallas was, the, no, da Dallas wasn't the last place I was temple president. I think the last place was Kansas City. But anyway, I used to tell people, we chant in the rounds and Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Hare Ram. I come up and I tap him on the shoulder. Oh, Prabhu, excuse me. Uh, today's Sunday and we're cooking a big feast, you know. Could you help us in the kitchen? We need extra people to help cut the vegetables. Oh no, Prabhu, I'm busy chanting. <laughs> so you're sitting there chanting, asking Krishna, to engage you in his loving service, I have come with some of that very thing, but you're too busy asking for it. Okay, I fully understand. <laughs> Meanwhile, what almost always happens, someone else that I didn't ask will say, 
Prabhu, could I help? And I've tried this. I say, what, have you finished your rounds? Oh, no, but I can finish them later. Wow, difference in consciousness, huh? I want to grab that opportunity to serve. You know, I know that if I spend a half hour now during Japa time doing some service, I'm going to have that half hour later on to finish my rounds, and that's okay. Because I want that service, you see. So I guess I should, uh, I should check out the questions. Has everyone turned in their questions? I don't think we explained the concept, so... Not a lot of people know. I think I'm pretty sure it's full. Just if you guys got a piece of paper and a pen, and maybe there was something that came to mind concerning the uh, topic of tonight's discussion, and you have a question, we, we do it this way so they can remain anonymous. So don't put your name on it. But that way you're, you know, safe. You're in a safe place. But we always, always know who it is. <laughs> no, we don't. No, we don't. <laughs> yeah, you can ask away. Do, don't we? <laughs> All right, here's, here's the first one. Hey, when you want to... Like, That's it. That looks like his Mother Radha, when you get ready, you can go serve out if, if it's time. You just, I can do this. And, okay. All right. Expand on lust. Lust as in material desires. Lust as in sex. They are one and the same, as a matter of fact. Uh, most material desires are driven ultimately by sex desire. A lot of people say, no, yeah. <laughs> Why do you want the stuff you want? Typically, it leads to, I get a better education, I get a better job, get a better house, I get a better car, have more money, nicer duds, better sex life. There was a, uh, a survey done this was like five years ago, I think, or three years ago, something like that, about uh, people asking them, why do you take yoga? And always, almost always, amongst the top five reasons was better sex life. Yes. I get in better shape. You know? I become uh, healthier, more attractive. You see? So... I'm not criticizing. It's the nature of material life. Every living entity is like that. So, yeah. Is sexual energy just material, or is there sexual energy in the spiritual world? No. Well, uh, there is no gross sexual activity. They're not banned from it. But... It's hard for people to understand that there are far greater enjoyments than sexual intercourse. Mm. Far greater, like billions of times better. Gazillions of times better than physical sex. Mm. You see what I mean? So, 
Could the could they do it? Probably. But why would they want to come down to that mundane enjoyment level when they're on such a level that's so exalted? You see what I mean? So now we can't understand that because we experience, because we're convinced we are our bodies, we uh, experience enjoyment through five senses. You see, what I can see for pleasure, smell for pleasure, taste for pleasure, hear for pleasure, feel for pleasure. I'm convinced I'm my body and I've limited myself to those four ports of entry for enjoyment. And that's sad, you see, which means I, I think I, if I am my body, if I'm in that consciousness, then sex is the highest material enjoyment. If I'm in that consciousness, if I become liberated from that, I taste things that are much sweeter. You see? You got a question here. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, um... Is this anonymous? <laughs> oh, okay. I, I, I didn't just, know. You said it was that, uh, Never mind. No, no, go ahead. I don't know. I think that I've just heard that you can connect spiritually with a person and heal through sex. So is there such a thing as like spiritual sex? Tantra yoga is just descriptions on how to have material sex. If, if you read that part of the Vedas, you would kind of end up saying, yuck. <laughs> you see but no the answer is no okay. how is there how is how could it be spiritual if i'm on if i'm on a certain level um, if i'm on a certain level of advancement in mathematics i may see an algebra question as confusing or difficult you see what I mean but if I've if I've if I know and use advanced trigonometry advanced calculus then some average uh, question or puzzle about uh, algebra is tinker toys you see what I mean so at some levels we're gonna look at that and say yes I can have a spiritual experience through sex as your understanding of spiritual go, grows. You'll look back at that moment because trust me, most of us have been there. Okay, thank you. It was like that in the sixties. Remember, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, and there ain't nothing better. And it's a spiritual experience. Right? Oh man, it's so spiritual. Last night I did 80 hits of LSD. <laughs> I had to do three quaaludes to come down. <laughs> it was so spiritual. And I really thought it was. Somebody said, oh, it's spiritual. 
Get out of here, dude. What do you know? So, yeah, at some point. Uh, but as you get to a certain point, you say, wait a minute, I was... Like at one time I believed in Santa Claus. You know, most of us, most of us did. And some of us, most of us, were very serious about it. You know, God, I hope Santa's not watching me when I'm doing this that I shouldn't be doing. <laughs> you know, but your consciousness grows. And then you look back at where you came from and you say, wow. So uh, good. That's a that's an excellent question. No, it's a really good question. Is that a good answer? It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. My answers aren't always what you want to hear, but it's my. I've taken a pledge to my guru and to Krishna to tell the truth. You know, and the truth doesn't always make people. People don't always agree with the truth. It's like Mark Twain said, it's much more difficult to convince people that they've been fooled than it is to fool them. It's very easy to fool people, but it's difficult to convince people that you've been fooled. This material world isn't what you think it is. Your definition of enjoyment is wrong. You've been fooled by the material energy. It's, it's, it's drug you into illusion. That's very difficult. Or another way to put it is it's, uh, it's much easier to mislead than it is to lead. A leader has to lead, uh, lead people towards the truth. But we see so much in this material world of misleading. So many things are misleading. Advertisement, uh, political programs, political opinions, you know, misleading. Where do you get the truth? It's like uh, you buy something on Amazon and you think, well, I want to check out the uh, the the stars, you know, the reviews. reviews. So you look, and then here's like a whole bunch of people. So, this is the greatest thing. Oh, I've been. It's just it changed my life. This product is great. It's everything they said it was and more. And then you have guys that only give it four stars. Well, it's pretty good, but and there's always a bunch of people that say this thing was rotten. It was terrible. Don't buy this. Wouldn't recommend. So. <laughs> I've got all these opinions. Sometimes there's hundreds of them, thousands, you know, everything from praise to hate. So I've got to make a guess, you know. Okay, there's fewer people that hate it than like it, so maybe it's good, you know. So this this material world, if you're looking for the truth, you gotta uh, you gotta look real hard. You gotta know how to find the truth. If you know how to find it, you can spot it. You know what you're looking for. Why is the truth so hard to find? Because you don't know what you're looking for. You trip over it. You didn't know it was the truth. But if you know what you're looking for, you can see it. Who is Krishna? Krishna is 
uh, the supreme personality of Godhead. Notice I said supreme and personality. His personality. Uh, in this day and age, so many people uh, like to talk of uh, the universe as being the all in all. You know, you've heard people say, well, put it out to the universe. Or maybe the universe didn't have that in plan for you. We've, we've heard these things. I always want to say, who the hell's the universe? What are you talking about? <laughs> you know, this conglomeration of rocks? <laughs> A bunch of rocks is controlling my life? And I got to ask all these rocks out there for... Hey, can you help me here? <laughs> I'm putting it out to you. So, that could be linked to astrology. But it still rocks. When this rock, or this, yeah, this big rock out there is in a certain sign, then that's controlling uh, this or that. Well, it does have some influences on you. You know? But it doesn't control you. Hmm see so personality the supreme god is the supreme god has personality personality is stronger than something without personality mm. you know like uh, this cup it doesn't have any personality the conversation with this cup is boring <laughs> it never has anything intelligent to say you see? It does say be grateful. <laughs> I stand corrected. It does. You do have personality. Oh. Is this your personal cup? No. <laughs> but you see where I'm coming? Personality. What? <laughs> I feel like most people, when they, because this is how I thought about it, when most people say the universe, we're really thinking about God, but that's just the way we express it. That's the way they are. And they say the universe because I don't want to get up close and personal with this God thing. And there's so many negative connotations of God. It's better that God is the universe. Well, we hmm. don't know. <laughs> Don't know well, we don't know. Nobody knows. Exactly. And I don't really want to know. <laughs> it's easy if it's just that universe. All those big rocks floating around out there with some, there's some ice and, you know, the material elements, they're out there. So it's easier if that's all there is, just a bunch of rocks and stuff out there. Hmm. Then it can't ask me to do anything. I like what you're saying because in a, in a sense we do know, you know what I mean? Like we really we, know. <laughs> we know. I mean, we're just, obviously we're covered over by the moans and, and, but we know ultimately. We know. We definitely And we know, we know. Right, right. So, I mean, I like that. I like how you say that. But for that. where we are in our consciousness right yeah. now today, right. I don't want to go there. Right, right. You see? Because I'm still trying to be all I can be without any influence from God. 
except when I need some help. Hey, do this for me, universe. So, therefore I say the supreme personality of Godhead. Isn't that the Krishna though, um, Maharaj, that without Krishna, which many people aren't remembering Krishna because they don't have access or whatnot, gods do seem a little bit weird. You know, that they're very unknowable. I do this, do that, but don't know anything about me personally. Whereas Krishna, it's so deeply personal. Like you can only go one step at a time. Well, Krishna is totally personal. <laughs> you know, his, his attitude is... Well, first of all, to approach Krishna, you've got to have some desire to exchange love. To the degree that you're not looking to exchange love, you will be impersonal. And Krishna won't be attractive to you. You're looking for impersonality, impersonal relationship, long distance kind of thing, you see. Uh, when you start to want love, to exchange love, well, then Krishna's your guy. Because yeah. he's like, Sean, hey, come sit down. How are you, buddy? You know, I love you, don't you, Sean? Oh, my dear friend. You know, I've never taken my eye off you. You know, this is Krishna. Not like, bow down. Yeah. Now, there are personalities of Godhead that command awe and reverence. Krishna's not one. And yet he says, I'm me, this personality, out of all my innumerable personalities, I am the supreme personality. Why? Because we share love. I'm supreme because you can get closer to me than you can any of my other unlimited personalities. I love it when you once said, I think it was 2011, that our reverence kind of embarrasses Krishna. It's like, oh, you know. Is, yeah, yeah, enough of the groveling. Yeah. You know. Oh, thanks. Okay, another question. Is lust part of the soul? Uh, it's part of the nature of the soul. The nature of the soul uh, is to desire to please lusty to please Krishna. It's our only reason for existing, is to please Krishna. Krishna says, he's in the senses, mind, and intelligence. He did not save a soul. Uh, well, we are part and parcel of Krishna. So, me, the soul, I am part and parcel of him. I'm not him, but we are the same. We're the same DNA, the same spiritual DNA. I'm made of the same stuff, like a drop of salt water is the same as the ocean, except in size. I'm not as vast as Krishna. Good questions. Boy, it's hard to do this with all that chopping and chewing going on. I'm just kidding. Does Krishna have to eat? No, he doesn't have to eat. 
but he likes to eat. Uh, and he likes to be fed. So long as you offer it with love and devotion, you see, what does Krishna need? You offer some mango, uh, some of, if not the best, mangoes in the world are grown in India. Now, many in West Bengal are, oh, mangoes are absolutely, you may think, well, I've had mangoes. Trust me, you've never had a mango like this. You see, so if you take one of those best mangoes that we can find on this planet and you offer it to Krishna, do you think Krishna doesn't have better mangoes than we have on this planet? <laughs> you know, what kind of mangoes do you think Krishna has? Non-GMO. Exactly. Definitely. <laughs> As a matter of fact, in the spiritual world, the mangoes are, you, are the essence of the mango. Without the skin and Whoa. the fiber and the seed, it's the essence. You give Krishna mango, it's the essence in this material world. If you go to the Kalpabriksha tree, the desire tree, and you say, please give me wonderful uh, mango for Krishna. That tree will give you this mango that's the essence of a mango to offer to Krishna. So he doesn't need your mango. He doesn't need it. You need to offer it to him. How else will you show your love? So, now, where will you get a mango? Well, you could say from a tree, where'd the tree come from? From the seed, where'd the seed come from? Ultimately, Krishna gave you that resource to serve him. So therein is the definition of devotional service. I prayed, my dear Lord, for resources to serve you. Not resources for me to enjoy. Please give me resources. I want to serve you, my Lord. I don't have the resources. What can come from me? Love. I need a vehicle to demonstrate my love to you. Therefore, to the degree that you want to love Krishna, to that degree he will give you resources to do that. You see? So he may give you tremendous resources to serve him if that's what you need or if that's what you want to serve him, you see? He may give you tremendous resources to serve yourself if that's what you want, you see? Krishna is a giver, but he's also a recipient. He'll, recipient. he'll take. He'll, when you offer, he'll accept. Uh, does Krishna have a list of foods that he thinks humans to eat. Yes. Basically, we eat what Krishna will eat. He says in Bhagavad Gita, patram pushpam palantoyam. Patram, uh, leaf. Pushpa, flower. Krishna says, if you offer me with love and devotion, a leaf, a flower, a fruit, or some water, I will gladly accept it. Even if it's your stinking Walmart mango. You know? Krista doesn't say, oh, look, he's stinking Walmart mango. 
out of here. <laughs> Security, come and get this guy. Walmart. It's not even organic. Go to Whole Foods. You see, he's not like that. See? He wants the love and devotion. If you love Krishna when you're offering him that Walmart mango, he sees it as if you're giving him the essence of mango, depending on your love. But that, if you've got the love, then Krishna accepts that offering. It's no longer a Walmart mango. All glories to Walmart. <laughs> Walmart's not going to sue me for saying this, are they? Yeah. So we could say, you know, how um, beautiful spiritual people are saying that the universe created itself to understand itself. We could actually take a little bit deeper and go, Krishna's fascinated with how much love we can give in this state that we are in. Yeah. And I've heard people say things like, uh, the universe created itself to understand itself. How did it create itself? So in other words, there was nothing and it created something so that it, it could understand well, the something it, that it created or was it trying to understand the nothing that the something came from? What is this desire to understand from, from the first place? Ignorance. I, I don't know, so I need to know. That means I'm ignorant of that whatever, so... None of this applies to God. He's full of knowledge. He's Bhagavan, one who is uh, he's full of all eight, uh, six opulences. Knowledge is one of those opulences. He has all knowledge. There's nothing he can't know. There's a couple of things, but we'll talk about that at a different time. You see, so... He already knows. Some people say, well, I am God. You are God. And we're having this experience. We are God having this experience to see what it's like. Very, very common. Wow. That is very common. Mm -hmm. So in other words, you're God and you didn't know what it would be like to be in a, an aging body, insecure, Ignorant. You didn't know what it was like to get cancer. You know, or to stub your toe in the dark. What a foolish God you are. <laughs> you don't sound like... What's How interesting are those things? You know, so yeah. you came here as all of us to have this experience. And you want me to give you worship thinking that you didn't know? I mean, come on. You can do them. You're God. You should be able to do the math. You know, come on. So, yeah, but folks come up with that. Uh, again, the reason is I need to keep God at arm's length. I don't want God to be a smart, all-knowing, loving God. That will solicit a reaction from me. I prefer to keep him as rocks out there in outer space, which don't solicit any reaction. You see, uh, that means I'm impersonal with those rocks out there. 
and I can be impersonal with you, except when I'm trying to solicit a reaction from you. Hi, Sean, how are you? Did I ever tell you that you're my favorite friend? Mm -hmm. Hey, Sean, have you got 50 bucks? <laughs> you see, this is the nature of the material world. Wow. Questions from an impersonalist. <laughs> Interesting, uh huh? Okay. <laughs> it is and it isn't. <laughs> Must be from a Zen Buddhist. Must be. I was going to say something. <laughs> Questions from the nirvanic stage. Boy. That's from the <laughs> what does the what does the Dalai Lama think about that? <laughs> Dalai Lama is like uh, Al Capone. No comment. How can you come to the understanding uh, that Krishna is not God, but our eternal friend? That, ju that just wants to exchange unconditional love. Uh, you have to practice bhakti yoga, uh, loving devotional service. And that starts from chanting Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama. I pray like that. Krishna reciprocates. He gives me some something that I can do to show my love for him. As I continue that process, at some point, and I'll never know when that happens, but uh, the concept of Krishna being God diminishes. He's just my lovable Krishna. The gopis, his closest associates, don't see him as God. In his abode, his original abode, Golok Vrindavan, what need of there is for a God? <laughs> Why do you need God when you have Krishna? Why, he's everything. You see, he's the most beautiful, he's the most loving, he's the most attractive, he steals my heart, he's the wittiest, warmest. He's, you're so fixed on this loving exchange between this wonderful creature that the concept of God is... And if someone believes in God, then that's good for them. I have Krishna. Uh, to the degree that you think Krishna is God, you have to back, back down your love, your love for it. You see, God is scary. Krishna is not. Krishna is God, sure, but he's still Krishna. So you forget. Are you taking off, Sean? Yeah. Okay. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Oh. Hey, you had your chance. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, so Arjuna had encountered this universal form, but he couldn't stand it for much longer than he did. He wanted to go back to being different. Right. Is there another devotee who had the chance to see the universal form and perhaps maybe one that would have taken that forever? No. 
Uh, Arjuna wasn't the only one to see the universal form by. It's not attractive. It's it's everything. At once. At once. It's overwhelming. It bombards you. You know. So good question. Oh. How may we best resolve conflict with those we love? So do we so we do not project the enemy within onto them. Um, for instance, wrath resulting from unfulfilled desires. How can we best resolve conflict with those we love? Uh, you have to amp up your love. You see? If, I'm, if I love you enough that I put you before me, then why do I have to win the argument? For me to want to win the argument, for me to want to, want to conquer you, I have to back down my love. You see what I mean? So, sometimes you have to say, sure. You see? <clears throat> doesn't mean you're agreeing. Rather than get it to the point that you're going to make an enemy of someone you love, maybe it's not worth winning that battle. You know? There are some people that are... There are some people who are stubborn. There are some people who are very stubborn. And then there are people who are just incredibly stubborn. <laughs> and I know people like this and some of them I've known for decades and when I encounter them and they start off with something I may say well no actually if you thought that da 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 and they say well no it's okay I just sip it I love this person But I would have to devastate our relationship for me to show you that I'm right and that you're wrong. But that's not so important. You just go on and continue being wrong. You know? So, you know, if someone is stubborn, sometimes you just need to let them be stubborn. You see? Yeah. So you can... So, because also there's the idea that we're trying to help people, like you can push to the degree it doesn't affect the relationship, and it's like, because like 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 my my mother for instance, like trying to help her to see you know God is important, the focus on that relationship, but the resistance is there, but still they're wanting to inject that somehow, without causing a Tension, too much tension? Yeah. Yeah, say that again. Just like, you, you want to reach somebody, but you don't want to, you, want, you don't want it to negatively affect the relationship. Right. So it's like kind of a balance of trying to assert yourself to reach somebody, but, because it sounds like what you were saying, there's some people that like, doesn't matter what you say, they're going to fight that. Like, well, there are many people, yeah. Yeah. That no matter what you say, 
no matter what proof you put before them. Even some of these people, even when you show them in Shastra, they still will kind of dodge it and they don't want to. So, so um, with someone that you want to have an influence on, but they're resistant or they're conditioned otherwise, their conditioning is very, very deep, then you have to go very slowly. You have to have a lot of patience, a lot of tolerance. You know, if the relationship is strong enough in a certain way, then it can be much more, for want of a better word, more forceful. Uh, I had a, a, a very strong, loving relationship with Tamal Krishna Goswami. We were very close for many years. And sometimes he would overcome my, st my stubbornness. Can't you see? You know? And I once told him, he said, you know, something like, I can't remember the exact words, but you know, it, you know, I don't like to pound you like that, but you were wrong, you know, and we don't have time to just sit and da-da-da-da-da-da-da, you know, kick it back and forth. I need you to wake up and see the truth. You're, you're my general. You're in charge here, you know. If you don't see the truth, how can you give the truth to everyone here? And I said, hey, look, I told him, I said, look, there is nothing that you're going to be able to say or no chastisement that's going to make me not like you or not love you. You know what he said? Mm -hmm. I know that. Now that is an exchange of love. Nothing you can say will make me not like you. I know that. That's uh, friendship on steroids. So whenever I got the sauce, oh, let me tell you, I got the sauce. <laughs> Sometimes when, when I visit Dallas, I'll, I'll be with some of uh, Tamal's uh, disciples. And we'll talk about the old days when we started that community there. You know, <laughs> Incredibly funny stories, but I'm telling you, I got the sauce, boy, big time. Uh, but I, I took what advantage. Chastisement. <laughs> oh, boy, I'm telling you. And it wasn't like, well, you know, uh, if I may make a correction on the way you were thinking. No, it was nothing like that. It was more like, you idiot! <laughs> you know? I've got an idiot like you in charge. No wonder this place is falling apart. <laughs> What's going on here when I'm in China? I could be in, on the other side of the world. Do I have somebody that I can depend on that's going to be running things properly? No! I got an idiot! <laughs> you fool! <laughs> So a lot of people would say, oh, I don't think I like your tone. <laughs> and at the time, it was like, oh, I felt like I was being beat by a stick. 
I would rather he beat me with a stick. You know? <laughs> it's one of those things I talked with his disciples, you know, Maturanath and I were there. Uh, one of his disciples, Maturanath, I made him a devotee like in the mid-70s. and He got initiation from Tamal Krishna. And <clears throat> he was always around. You know, he's one of Tamal's chief disciples. And uh, he and I were generally there. Me and him and Radhanath and Rupanuga, we were there. And mostly me, but those... And whenever he would get upset, Maturanath was able to blend into the surroundings like a chameleon. Like he could turn into a piece of furniture. Because <laughs> Tamal would be mad. He's got to take it out on somebody. He'd look at me and he'd say, this is your fault. <laughs> and I would, I would start to talk, which would, would then, you know, and he'd look around the room and anybody else, would, he would say, what are you doing? Why did you do it? And then Maturanath would be like, <laughs> I mean, it's like he could disappear. You know, he's like he's like this. You know, he's like a non-entity. He had this mystic potency. And when it was finished, I would say to him, "How do you do that?" <laughs> I'm going to try that next time he gets mad. I'm going to go, <laughs> and he'd say, he'd probably say, "What are you doing?" <laughs> <laughs> you know, I would always say something. I was like the mouthpiece. I would always say something. Of course, he felt like I was in charge, so it had to come to me, you know. No matter who did it, it was your fault. You know? And I learned early on that not to defend. Well, I didn't know Rodanath was going to do that. What? You didn't know? You're the lead man and you don't know? So you don't know what's going on in this community. You see? <laughs> see, if you defend, oh, that's like throwing gas on the fire. You know, now this wasn't for those of you who don't understand this type of, uh, we always called it the mercy. You get, you're getting the mercy. If you don't understand this type of chastisement, uh, it may sound like, oh, it's, he sounds like a terrible guy. No, he was devoted to serving Guru and Krishna and to getting us trained up so that we could serve Guru and Krishna. And so uh, sometimes that training had to happen right here and now. You know, so um, how did we get off on that? <laughs> <laughs> I just came through Dallas, and I think of these things, you know. <laughs> a million memories. Oh, that question. You, you know, sometimes uh, you just have to have patience, tolerance, you know, with people. You know, through love. You take it off? Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Maybe having you in this in uh a few weeks for a home program. Wow. Do you live in Bisbee? I do. Wow. What an answer to our prayers. Yeah. This is great. I've been wondering, as a matter of fact, I think it was today, this morning, I was thinking, how can we crack Bisbee? You know, we've got to know somebody there. You know people now, but they're not able to get us 
involved in the community there. So, boy, this would be a big service. Thank you so much. Look forward to it. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Does that answer your question? You know, depends on uh, the relationship. Not that you and your mother don't have a loving relationship. But my relationship with TKG was one that, you know, he could. And I knew what he was doing when he was doing it. He was hammering on me, you know, to make me grow up now. You know, not, oh, we'll give it some time. Maybe next year he'll come around. No. You know, it's like if you're trying to be a quote-unquote high-performance devotee, you know, it's like if you want to become, if you're a sailor and you want to become a Navy SEAL, they're going to beat on you. They're going to shape you. They're going to mold you. Now, if you just want to remain a sailor, well, there's not as much pressure. There's pressure, but not as much. So, uh, it's like that. It's different. Should I continue? I think yes. I should eat, Guru Dave. Yeah. Well, it's getting late. I think you should eat. And then maybe we go back That's to it. That's a good it. idea. All right. And we'll just go right back to the questions. First, I'm going to run down the hall. Huh. All right, should we sign off? Yeah. Yes, sign off. Good night, everybody. And Cyberland, thank you so much for coming. Hare Krishna. All glory to Shilpa. No, she wasn't. You take it off, Krishna? No, she was, um...